Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com. Welcome back to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm Chris Cottrell. And I'm Rob Gardner. With more than 25 combined years of college basketball coaching experience, we bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, interviews, and insight from across NCAA Division II, Division III, NAIA, USCAA, and the NCCAA men's basketball. We hope you 2022-2023 season as we celebrate small college basketball programs, players, and coaches together. All right, welcome back, small college basketball fans. I'm Chris Cottrell. I'm back with Rob Gardner. We're talking all things today, NAIA, NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III. We got brackets. We got games. We got first and second rounds underway. This is our bracketology breakdown uh, for the three small college divisions, NAIA, NCAA Division III, NCAA Division II. Rob, what are, we've talked about it off air. We talked about it in text. What an exciting time of year. How you doing? It's March, Chris. I mean, there is so much basketball going on right now. Division II, we're already underway in Division Three. We're already underway in NAIA basketball. I mean, there is so much great basketball to watch right now. What, just, what a fantastic time of year. I agree. It's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to dive into those three levels today. Awesome. So, you know, Chris, you know, let's get started here. Let's flip our order today. All right. Let, let's start with the NAI brackets. So the NAI national tournament begins tonight on campus sites. All right. With a total of 64 teams set to tip off and compete for the opportunity to play in Kansas City, Missouri at the NAI Sweet 16. The national championship is scheduled for March 13th through 18th. And the NAI tournament features four brackets, four quadrants. Those four are the Naismith Quadrant, the Dewar Quadrant, the Kramer Quadrant, and the Liston Quadrant. So a little, couple quick nuggets here, Chris, about this year's field, right? So there are three newcomers to the national championship in this year's field. Columbia International in South Carolina, Thomas, Georgia, and Westcliff out of California, right? There are five conferences with five representatives in the field. The Crossroads League, the Golden State Athletic Conference, the Great Plains Athletic Conference, Heart of America Athletic Conference, and the Mid-South Conference. Now, the top overall seed is the College of Idaho, right? One of the best teams all year, 30-1, and one, leading the country in wins at the NAI level, finishing with the number one overall seed in the coaches' poll, right? So, Chris, let's start here in the Naismith bracket, where the College of Idaho is the top seed, right? What do you see as some interesting notes here within the Naismith bracket? Uh, you know, you look at you look at the Naismith bracket, I think – College of Idaho, um, you know, College of Idaho, obviously the school that, that we're looking at with a chance to win it all. I think you also have to look at three seed Loyola, um, who has put together a really good season. You look at LSU Shreveport, top team, uh, you know, it, as the five seed and then the two seed Florida College. Um the team with the furthest travel is the Masters uh, from California. They've got to travel uh, all the way to play in Lakeland, Florida. They play the 10 seed, uh, so a 7-10 matchup. Um, 
but I think this bracket, I think the, the Naismith quadrant begins and ends with College of Idaho, uh, 88 points per game. They got five players averaging double figures, Johnny Radford, Drew Wyman, Tyler Robinot, Jake O'Neill, Charles Elsey. You know, they have a really well-balanced attack. And then you go top to bottom, you know, with the two-seed Florida College. Um, again, five guys in double figures. 21 points per game from Matt Simpson. Uh, the top two seeds are neck and neck. So you look at Florida College, you look at College of Idaho, they're neck and neck, both average 87, 88 points per game. Uh, they're 50% from the field. They're 40% from the three-point line. So they have you know the ability to score. I think if you see them match up, which we could very well get to in the quarterfinals, you know, uh, I, I think I think it's a de- kind of like defense becomes the separator. You know, which team which team defends better? What do you see, Rob? Yeah, I mean, you really look at yeah, College of Idaho and Florida College really separate themselves there, and they're kind of almost mirror images of each other. All right, like you said, I mean, College of Idaho number nine in offensive offensive efficiency, one point oh one points per possession. Florida College number ten in offensive efficiency, one point oh one three points per possession. All right, a thousandth of a percentage point separates the two on offensive efficiency. And so, you know, looking throughout the rest of the bracket too, you know, I really like Huntington. All right. I think Huntington is, you know, is really playing well at the right time. You know, coach Colby Alford really runs some really good offensive stuff there. They're number four in the country in offensive efficiency. So they're technically the best offensive team in this bracket. And they have guards in the country. Zach Goodline is a stud. All right. He was player of the year in one of the best conferences, the Crossroads League. And so, you know, Huntington, Huntington is definitely a team, I think, that we need to keep our eye on. Absolutely right. I'm, I'm with you when it comes to Huntington. I think they have a great, uh, a great opportunity going up against Pikeville out of Kentucky. When we talk about, <clears throat> when we talk about the NAIA bracket, you know, you also got to pay attention to, I think, the, the three seed. Um, the three seed is Loyola New Orleans. Last year's national champion uh, entered the tournament after winning their second straight Southern States Athletic Conference title, uh, led by Jalen Galloway, who's had a terrific year. First year head coach Donald Reyes, uh, you know, done a terrific job. I think, um, <clears throat> I think, I think Loyola is a team to watch too. They they've turned it on at the right time. I mean, and and so, what, a, what a job by Coach Reyes. I mean, like we talked absolutely. about at the beginning of the year, Chris, the amount of, you know, personnel and just being a first-year head coach, the amount of turnover that they've had, for him to be, I mean, to win, you know, the Southern State's regular season and the tournament, I mean, just what a great job by Coach Reyes and just the whole team now, you said, led by Jalen Galloway. So what a great season for Loyola. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to, to go through the turnover that they did both on the court and and losing uh, losing their head coach, I think I think he's done a terrific job. And to have them playing as well as they are at the right time, you know, averaging almost seventy eight points per game, uh, shooting it at a high clip, um, I think they're they're starting to turn the corner at, at the exact right time. So that's mm-hmm. that's the Naismith quadrant. A couple of teams to watch. Below is the Kramer quadrant and we talk about the Kramer quadrant um the top seed is William Penn you know they're they finished the season number seven in the NAI coaches top 25 poll they're second in the country in scoring 91 points per game they have six players averaging double figures 
You know, Malik Edwards is good for 17 points per game, uh, followed by, you know, Chance Caruso, uh, Eddie Daly, and Minier Newton, James Pennington off the bench, Daniel Autry, um, arguably one of the best six men in NAI basketball, playing more than 22 minutes a game. So William Penn gets a ton of possessions, you know. They, they don't shoot it at a great clip from three based on their percentage, but they're making nine a game. They get a ton of possessions. They get a ton of shots off, uh, lead the nation in field goal attempts. So hmm. uh, I think that's I think it's a huge advantage, especially in a tournament setting where you just got to be better, you know, basically for, for you know, 40 minutes. It's not yep. necessarily, you know, a seven-game series. Um, second, third, fourth seeds in the Kramer, uh, Kramer quadrant, Oklahoma Wesleyan, Faulkner, Montana Tech, uh, team that I'm watching, though, is Thomas Moore. Uh, the Saints, Coach Justin Ray of veteran players, Reed Jolly leads Thomas Moore 17 points per game, six rebounds per game, 46% from the field. Uh, Wyatt Veith has made 85 threes. Jacob Jones has 88 assists to lead the team. I think they've got a really well-balanced attack. Um, you know, they've got a good inside-out combination. Last season, with essentially the same group, Thomas Moore advanced to the final four. And, and so I'm, I'm interested to watch Reed Jolly back uh, playing as well as he has. I think they're capable of making a deep run. So I'm kind of watching Thomas Moore at that fifth seed. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't kind of count out coach Justin Ray and the, and the Thomas Moore saints, especially after the run they had last year, they got, you know, Reed Jolly said mid South player of the year, you know, really interesting matchup. If it ends up happening, we'll be that William Penn, and, you know, potentially maybe Rio Grande matchup, all right? And the reason that is just really a contrasting style of play, all right? Like we talked about, William Penn really gets up and down. Number one in the country in offensive rebounds per game. Number three in the country in transition points per game. They get 26 points per game in transition. Now, to counter that, Rio Grande is number one in the country in defensive transition points per game. They only allow 8.6 points per game in transition. And so if that matchup were to happen in the second round, that's not a gimme game for William Penn. And so that's going to be a really interesting, you know, who can win the transition battle there, right, between between William Penn and Rio Grande. But, yeah, Oklahoma Wesleyan, you know, they're kind of a throwback team a little bit, right? They, they throw the ball in the post all the time. They're number nine in the country in post points per game, 9.9 points per game out of the post. Right, they're really good defensively. They're number five in the country. Defensive field goal percentage, 37.7%. So they're locking people down. They're throwing the ball in the post. So Oklahoma Wesley is a little bit of a throwback team there. All right. But then yeah, we talk about hey, Union too. All right. Union might have one of the best players in the country here, Chris. All right. Markel Turner. Yep. Player of the year in his conference. Kevin Burton, coach of the year. All right. They get up and down a lot. 87 points per game. In NAI, right? Maybe it's because you got Markel Turner. They're number one in NAI in isolation points per game. Right? They average nine and a half points per game just off isolations. Right? I'm guessing a big part of that is having an All American like Markel Turner. I tell you what, if we had an All American, he could catch it and shoot it whenever he wants. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I I mean, not for nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. not for nothing. So yeah, I, I love. I think there's some really fun matchups in that Kramer quadrant. Um, and, and, and especially with the, it, like you've got individual style of play, you got really fast up and down style of play. You got teams that slow it down, teams that throw it inside. 
the beauty of you know a one and done tournament is you get these contrasting styles whether it's division two division three naia march madness you get con- contrasting styles and you only got to be better one night out of the year that's it exactly um, hey, so you it know, makes I, makes I don't it fun want to get too deep into this chris you know but just you know, when we look at some of the other tournaments all right whether it's division two II, division three you know nai i love the matchups in nai all right compared to you know maybe some of the regionalization of division two which hey, I know we don't want to get too deep into, but just right. you see so many of these matchups of teams playing each other from across the country, and it's just it's beautiful to see. Teams playing each other for the first time, yes. for maybe maybe this maybe the second time if you advance around. But over these are these are fresh matchups, which makes for a fresh tournament. You yes. know, makes for makes for a fun a fun uh, overall experience for the kids, for the coaches, and the fans. Moving up. The Dewar Quad, top-seeded Grace University, uh, making their fourth straight appearance. They enter the national tournament with a 27-3 record. Crossroads League regular season champions, conference tournament champions. Uh, you know, Frankie Davidson is a dude. He's an All-American candidate. 15 points per game, 52% from the field, shooting 48% from behind the arc. Um, you know, he's grabbing five rebounds a game. And his, his game is elevated by the guys around him, Elijah Malone, Jacob Gibbs, Cade Gibbs, all average double figures. They're on a 10-game winning streak. They're averaging 85 points per game. Grace is second in the country in assists per game. Um, I, I think Grace advances quite a bit, uh, quite a bit in this, in this Dewar quadrant. I, I, I do like uh, a team out of Iowa, though. I like Dort. Uh, the 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 fourth seed out of Iowa, um, I think they'll get past Bethel in the first round. They're averaging ninety points per game, fifty five percent from the field. You know the top percentage field goal shooting team in the country. So um, again, same kind of build, same kind of identity as uh, as Grace. High scoring, really efficient offensively. One player, um, one player who is Jacob Viss, averaging twenty points per game, eight rebounds per game. You know, that's a matchup that I think we look for, you know, in the round of 16 that could uh, that could have potential impact on the line, you know, the final four and, and national championship. I, I think those are two teams in the Dewar quadrant that are really poised to have a good run. Man, I think if they match up in the sweets in the, yeah, the sweet 16, Chris, it might be the first team to 200. Yeah. I mean, those are two highly efficient offensive teams. All right. But hey, to get to the Sweet 16, I think Grace is going to have a heck of a second round matchup against Olivet Nazarene. All right. So if that matchup were to happen, all right, Olivet Nazarene, all right, the Chicagoland or yeah, Chicagoland Conference regular season champions, they got a stud in Tyler Schmidt, all right, who was the player of the year. All right. He's a really good player. And so you talk about number two in the country in assists per game. Olivet Nazarene is number one in the country in assists yeah. per game. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a heck of an offensive matchup there in the second round. Not even talking about, yeah, they get to Dort, who you already mentioned their offensive proficiency. Their, Dort is number one in NAI in offensive efficiency, 1.126 points per possession. All right, number one field goal percentage, 54.9% field goal percentage. So there's a lot of offensive firepower here. All right. But then, hey, you know, we get to Langston down at the bottom of the, of the Dewar quadrant. Right. Very good offensive team as well. Thing about them. All right. They're number one in the country in free throw. 
All right, so they get to the free throw line a lot. They're just not a jump shooting team. They get to the free throw line, all right, 16.5% free throw percentage, number one in the country, all right? But then from a defensive perspective, all right, this, is, this might be a little bit of a deciding factor here in the dual quadrant. They turn people over, all right? They're the number two defensive team in the country in turnover percentage, Right, they turn people over twenty three and a half percent of the time, and so you know I think that might be a little bit of a deciding factor here as we get maybe hey, if Langston continues to advance on against some of these offensive powerhouses, if Langston's able to turn them over a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think the sixth seed uh, Indiana Wesleyan is a team to watch as well. Out of that bottom half of of the Dewar bracket, twenty and nine, uh, they've they've lost their last two games, but they're, they're playing behind Seth Maxwell, who had a really good year, 16 points per game, six rebounds per game. Uh, Griffin Cleeler, 13 points per game. You know, can they get hot at the right time uh, out of the bottom half of that bracket? I, you know, I, I got to agree with you. I think it's going to be hard to navigate all the offense down there, mm-hmm. but again, hey, Greg, uh, Greg knows what he's doing in March. So it's, it's yeah. tough to bet against him come March. You know, you're, you're looking at teams with pedigrees too. One of the cool things about the NAI tournament is uh, the pedigree, the, the uh, consistency, the model of winning that a lot of these teams embody uh, here in, 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 in March. So out of the doer quadrant, we move down to the final quad, the listing quad, uh, NAIA national tournament, number one seed, in this listing quad is Arizona Christian. We've talked at length about them. Uh, they're 24 and five heading into the tournament. They lost in the Golden State Athletic Conference tournament semis, uh, but but they are still one of the top teams in the country. Don't get me wrong. Um, won their third straight regular season championship, and and Paula Hayden, 13 points per game. Trent Hudgens, 12 points per game. Bryce Davis, 11 points per game, along with Micah Blackwell. You know, this this past uh, month, Jeff Rudder, head coach, got his 250th career win. Uh, they're they're a top seed, uh, but I think this Liston bracket is really really strong. This the two and three seeds in this quadrant are really good. The two seed is Indiana Tech. They've won 13 of the last 14, 80 points per game. Um, they've played as strong a schedule as you could ask for in that Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. They've got four players in double figures. Josh Klein averaging 13 and six. Uh, Rod Stein averaging 13 and six as well. Blake Davidson, 11 points per game. Grant Smith, 11 points per game. And then we talk about these contrasting styles. You got Jamestown, who's riding high on uh, Mason Walters, 26 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. In my opinion, he was, he's one of the leading candidates for the Bevo Francis Award. Um, I think those the one, two, and three seeds in the listing quadrant, you know, could kind of beat each other up, oh, which, which scares me going into, you know, going into that uh, into the quarterfinals, semifinals. But Jamestown's been a little inconsistent down the stretch, but I don't think you can count them out with someone as high caliber as Mason Walters. Mason Walters is one of the best players in college basketball, regardless of, of division. All right, he he. Leads- one of the best offensive in the offenses in the country, the number two offensive efficiency for Jamestown, 1.06 points per possession. Jamestown is number one in AI in post points per game, 12.9. What does he do to Mason Walters? And so you, when you've got a great player like that, you can go far in March. 
All right. Indiana Tech, speaking of great players, has Rog Stein. All right. The WAC player of the year. They also have the defensive player of the year. And then, you know, you look down the line here, too. All right. Mayville State. All right. An 11 seed. But hey, they were the North Star regular season champs, the tournament champs. They have the player of the year, the coach of the year in the North Star. And so Mayville State at 25 and 5, as an 11 seed, all right, could be an upset there. All right. And then, you know, we continue on here. I mean, Antelope Valley, 89 matchup with Wayland Baptist. I mean, that's not going to be the winner of that going against Arizona Christian. I mean, that's not an easy game for Arizona Christian in the second round. And so, you know, this listing quadrant down here is loaded with, with teams that can come out. And, you know, whether it's Iowa Wesleyan, you know, Iowa Wesleyan is interesting. One of the best defensive teams in the country. And so, you know, if they were to eventually match up maybe against a Jamestown or against an Indiana Tech, you know, I mean, they got the number two defensive efficiency. 0.748 points per possession, number one defensive field goal percentage, 36.7. So Iowa Wesleyan, I mean, they lock you down here, and that's dangerous come March. You see a lot of great offensive teams, but, hey, defense travels. Yeah, defense travels, and, you know, the, these teams are going to need to keep traveling because the tournament is, is rolling into the second round, uh, rolling into the second round here coming up tomorrow. So – you know, NAIA, uh, NAIA is off and running. This is uh, this is our NAIA bracketology. Uh, we talked about getting to Division Two, II, Division Three. So, Rob, like Division Three, we're talking about entering the second round of NAIA basketball. You know, tomorrow, which is you know Wednesday, uh, we're recording this on on Tuesday night. Division three brackets came out last week. First and second rounds are already over for NCAA Division three. Um, Sweet 16 games coming up Friday, Saturday. I mean, we're down to the Sweet 16 in, in one of our small college basketball divisions. That's a lot of fun. We got 32 teams left in Division three. What do you think? Yeah, and I, th- I think, yeah. And so, I mean, Division three, I mean, a great first week in a basketball, first round, second round's already done. And, you know, a lot of the teams that we expected from Randolph-Macon, St. Joseph, you know, Mary Harden-Baylor having some exciting, um, you know, some theatrics down there with Josiah Johnson hitting some game-winning shots, right? Yeah. And Swarthmore, 26-3 still there. Mount Union, 27-2. And so, you know, I think the, you know, the only place that we can really start here, Chris, right, is at Randolph-Macon, right? So we start with the top-ranked team, Randolph-Macon, Cruise through the first round against Wilson. All right. At one point had a 44 to eight lead at halftime. All right. Second round, they defeated Scranton and Randolph Macon, the defending national champs have now won 63 consecutive home games. All right. That's an NCAA That's division incredible. Three record. It is. And Hey, they're hosting the next two rounds at home. So, <laughs> you know, you never know, but it's tough to beat that. All right. And they're rolling on to the sweet 16 miles, Mallory, Daniel and Bingue leading that charge through the first two rounds. As to be expected, I mean, Coach Josh Merkel just absolutely has that program rolling there, all right? Now, I mean, what, what do you see up north here as we lean towards Connecticut here, Chris? You get into Connecticut, you got to talk about St. Joe's. Also rolling into the Sweet 16, they defeat Chatham, uh, defeat Williams, both 20-point margins. Uh, J.C. Martin, Ryan O'Neal, Malcolm Eli, all in double figures. You know, we've been talking all, all year long, Rob, about – 
uh, especially on our last podcast, we've been talking about St. Joe's. We've been talking about Randolph Macon, you know, the consistency. Uh, St. Joe's is just elite defensively, but Randolph Macon also elite defensively. Um, you know, Randolph Macon leads the country in, in points, points allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the defensive efficiency of St. Joe's is astounding. Um, so we said earlier, defense travels, you know, those two teams, those two teams have been defending all year long. But I think, I, I think there are some teams in Division Three that we got to keep an eye on. And one of those is, is Keene State. Um, Keene State, you know, um, has a, you know, big matchup coming up with Swarthmore. Yes. Um, Keene State is led by, you know, arguably one of the, one of the better players in the country. Um, you know, Octavio Vitto, 20 points per game, seven rebounds per game. You know, Jeff Hunter averages a double-double for Keene State, 17 points per game, 14 points per game. You know, Swarthmore, uh, led by Vinny D'Angelo, 17 points per game. Uh, George Visconti, 14 points per game. You know, so so both teams have really talented players. Uh, I think that's an interesting matchup here as we look into the Sweet 16. Keene State has been, you know, up in that top 10-ish area, uh, you know, pretty much the second half of the season. Other interesting matchups, you know, I think Johns Hopkins and Wisconsin Whitewater. Talk about two teams with perennial, uh, perennial, tri- perennial success in the tournament, uh, Hopkins and Whitewater. So uh, what else are you seeing, Rob? Yeah, I mean, we go back to, you know, kind of what you were talking about there, Keene State. I mean, Jeff Hunter, I mean, the year in the LEC and the defensive player of the year. I mean, what an absolute dynamic duo between, you know, him and Octavio Brito. I mean, that game, Swarthmore is hosting that region right there, so they get the advantage of being at home. But still, Keene State's going to be tough, right, going down in that bracket. I mean, Nichols versus Stockton, that's going to be a heck of a matchup there, all right? I mean, you got Nichols plays up and down. All right. I mean, number seven in points per game, 87 points per game. They're number two in division three in transition points per game. They average 30 points per game in transition. I mean, that is getting it and going. And so, you know, and then the thing too is Stockton, they, they, they don't slow it down. They're number 17 in points per game in transition. All right. And so that's going to be an up and down, exciting game. You know, I'm really interested to see that game right there. You know, and then, you know, really going to, you know, we already talked about St. Joe's a little bit, but that Wheaton St. Joseph matchup, very interesting. Wheaton, one of the best teams in the country out of the CCIW. Tyson Cruikshank, the player of the year out of the CCIW. Mike Shower, coach of the year. Talking about St. Joe's defense, number one in defensive efficiency, 0.681 points per possession. Wheaton. Elite offensively, number seven on offensive efficiency, 0.991 points per possession. So a true contrasting of styles there between Wheaton and St. Joe's. And so, you know, you get to this time of year, I mean, Sweet 16, every team's going to be good. You know, it's, it's going right. to be tough. You know, every team, you know, regular season champs, tournament champs, regular season champs, tournament champs. And so, you know, Randolph Macon, defending national champion, you know, they're playing at home, like we said, won 63 in a row at home. But still, Oswego State, I mean, they're the Sunyak regular season champs, Sunyak tournament champs. And so, you know, they are really, really good, balanced offensively and defensively. 27-2 and two versus 29-1 and one in a Sweet 16 matchup, Chris. I mean, <laughs> I mean flip a coin with gets. a lot. Yeah, flip a coin with a lot of these games, man. There's a lot of good 16 really good teams here at the Division Three Sweet 16. Yeah, and, and you look at Oswego State, you know, 80, 88 points per game. I think that'll be a ton of fun 
uh, because we talked about how elite defensively Randolph Macon is. I think it'll be a ton of fun to see, you know, uh, like which which style prevails, right? Which style is is going to prevail? Um, what other matchups do you like? And as we as we get into matchups, I just want to throw something at you, Rob. You know, on on that left side of the bracket, you know, you see two Wisconsin schools: Wisconsin Oshkosh, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. You know, two teams out of Wisconsin, two Wisconsin State schools, I should say, with tradition when it comes to the national tournament. So you can't count either one of them out either. No, I mean, the WIAC, we talk about, you know, throughout the year, just consistently one of the best conferences in Division Three. And, you know, talking about Oshkosh here, Levi Borchard, you know, going to be a two-time All-American this year. Matt Lewis, you know, has already won a national championship as a head coach a couple years ago. So he knows what it takes. And that program knows what it takes to win in March, right? And now, you know, once again, we talk about just, you know, kind of contrasting styles of play, right? Wisconsin. Oshkosh slows it down a little bit, all right? And they're number one in the country in transition defense. They only allow, Chris, 4.7 points per game in transition, all right? That's remarkable. Now, they're competing. They're playing against Rowan, and Rowan averages 91 points per game, all right? And they're number three in the country in transition points. So we kind of talked about this in, in our NAI breakdown, but this matchup here, Wisconsin Oshkosh slows it down, only averages, allows four points in transition. Wow, Rowan averages 28 points in transition. And so, you know, who's going to win that battle of the transition right there? I'm really going to determine who kind of takes home that matchup right there. And then we go into, you know, the other half of that bracket, Mountain Union. All right, Mountain Union versus North Park. Mountain Union really been riding high all year. The OAC regular season champs, the OAC tournament champs, Christian Parker, player of the year, Colin Gurley, one of the best players in Division Three as well. And so that matchup versus North Park, at Mountain Union, Mountain Union ho- is hosting this bracket. And so, you know, does Mountain Union, do they put it together to really, you know, overcome one of the best programs, North Park, in the country? And so it'll be really interesting to see whether, you know, Mr. Parker, Colin Gurley, and Coach Mike Fuline put it together to really come out of that bracket against some of the best competition in the country that have won national championships. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love I love the matchups that we have. Um, on that left side of the bracket. But what, Rob, one of the teams we talked about in our last episode, um, in our last episode, who's riding high, playing well at the right time, Christopher Newport. Kind of lost, yeah, I guess you could say lost in the sauce on that East Coast, you know, where we have Randolph Macon, we have Keene State, we have St. Joe's. But Christopher Newport, um, a, a team to watch. They were the top seed in uh, the bottom right hand part of the bracket they're they're 26 and three uh their next game coming up against uh, mary harden baylor in the round of 16 um you know i i'm i'm interested to see if christopher newport can keep it going um because you know they've won they've won 11 in a row at, uh, as of right now um advanced to the sweet 16 uh they're a team that we've been watching a little bit uh, throughout the season, starting to peak at the right time. What do you think, Rob? Christopher Newport. Yeah, Christopher Newport, really interesting team. You know, won the regular season and the tournament championship in the Coast to Coast Conference. And, you know, John Hines, Trey Barber, dynamic duo, Coach John Krikorian has done a phenomenal job there. Christopher Newport's been one of the best programs over the past couple of years. You know, going against Mary Harden Baylor, which – might have the best player in Division Three, Josiah Johnson, 
I mean, he just has a knack for hitting big shots. And, you know, I mean, you look at Mary Hart and Baylor, they defeated Shriner 81 to 78. East Texas Baptist, 72 to 70. All right. So Mary Hart and Baylor, it's just, I mean, they're scraping by. All right. But they're still winning. And that's all that counts. And so, you know, I think it's really going to be interesting to see John Hines and Trey Barber go up against a Josiah Johnson and a Ty Prince. And, you know, it's, it might come down to, hey, Josiah Johnson with the ball in his hands in the waning seconds. And, you know, does he make the player, you know, is Christopher Newport able to get a stop? And so, but Josiah Johnson has kind of had that magic touch, you know, for the past couple months. Yeah. And then you look on the other side, you know, below, below Christopher Newport, you have St. Joe's and Wheaton. Um, can, can St. Joe's defensively, we know how good they've been. Can St. Joe's stop Tyshawn Cruchank? You know, I think Ooh. that's, that's a good question. He's averaging 20 points per game. He's getting six rebounds per game, 140 assists on the year. He's two to one assist to turnover ratio. Uh, so not only is he scoring the basketball, he's making plays for others. He's got guys around him who can score. Um, you know, he's 44% from three. Mm. I mean, that's one really elite player with three other guys, two other, three other guys in double figures, Andrew Williams, uh, Nick Savallo, and TJ Askew. Um, you know, we, we in, could give St. Joe's a, a really good run for the money. I oh, think, they for sure. After talking about talking about individual matchups and then team uh, team matchups. Yeah, and hey, you know Tyson Krukshank, he's not a guy you stop. He's just a guy you hope to contain. <laughs> and yeah, you know, yeah. And he, you look at something like, like a Kevin Durant. You know, you you can't stop Kevin Durant. You just got to contest, make his shots tough, and hope that he misses. All right. But the thing is, St. Joseph has a lot. And they have a lot of guys that can really contain, that can really guard. All right. We talk about just their their defensive efficiency is off the charts. You know, they got Jalen Samuels for St. Joe's, defense player of the year in the GNAC. All right, you got Ryan O'Neal, J.C. Martin. And so, you know, St. Joseph's, you know, it's just been so impressive this year. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I'm rooting for any which team or the other, you know, but St. Joseph's is going to be 29-1. and one. Their only loss, once again, in the conference championship game. And so, you know, then they, they – I mean, won both their games so far this year, right? They beat Chatham 76 to 53. They beat Williams 75 to 54. And so can Wheaton keep it close and make it a game and just hang around, hang around to where hey, at the end of the game, you get the ball in Tyson Krukshank's hands, maybe some magic can happen. But, you know, St. Joseph's, they're going to be tough to overcome here, no matter who you are. Yeah, I think, I think the teams that are going to be the hardest to overcome – are the teams we've been talking about all year. I think the chalk, I think the chalk, when you look at the, the division three games so far, you look at um, the, the performances individually so far, guys that have been carrying their teams all year, carrying them in the postseason so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, defense carrying teams in the postseason into the national tournament. I, you know, I love, I love St. Joe's. I think, um, you know, I, I really like, Keen State. I just think their individual, uh, their individual ability um, in, in that in, in, in their in their bracket gives them a leg up. Of course, uh, Randolph Macon, you know, um, a team that I think we both consider to be a front runner. And then out of the bottom left hand side, you know, I I, I don't uh, we're not necessarily predicting games, but that bottom left hand side 
doesn't necessarily have an outright name that stands out to you. It doesn't have that household name. No, and, and you know, and, and you're talking about the uh, the Oshkosh bracket. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I think that the the you know you talk about the talent at Keene State. I think you know Mountain Union. I think is in a similar position there to where you know I think just if you lined up the rosters just with just on on straight talent and kind of dudes, you know, Mountain Union has some studs. I mean, we already talked a little bit about them, you know, but just Christian Parker, Colin Gurley might be you know you're talking about dynamic duos. I mean, those are two of the best. That's a, one of the best dynamic duos in the country. And so, you know, they've won their first game by eight, defeated Anderson 73-65, defeated Lancaster Bible College 90-66, to right? They're hosting this weekend, all right? Yep. So you got, you know, these two games, you know, and Alliance Ohio at Mountain Union, all right? And, hey, for those of you who are unaware, you know, Mountain Union, not necessarily with basketball, but, hey, they know a thing or two about, you know, winning national championships, especially in, in, in football. All right. And so they know what they're doing there. But, you know, Mountain Union, you know, their level of talent is really, you know, something special. But, yeah, I agree, Chris. I think, you know, Randolph Macon, you know, is really, you know, really going to be tough to beat. I think St. Joseph's is really going to be tough to beat, you know, just because they've been so consistently great and they're balanced. All right. We talk about St. Joseph's and Randolph Macon, you know, their elite defensive ability. But they're also really good on the offensive end, and they're really collected, you know, really uh, connected, all right? And so, you know, those two teams specifically, I think, are, are going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that that's a matchup that I think people might be craving. I think fans might want to see that matchup mm-hmm. uh, coming in in the Division Three National Championship, and we'll certainly be following – you know, these brackets. So division three, just to give a quick rundown for everyone uh, currently, uh, currently in the uh, sweet 16, the, the, the sectionals, so to speak, uh, the March 10th and March 11th. So we'll be rolling into uh, those this uh, Friday and Saturday. And then we'll have uh, the semifinals, and the uh, 18th, March 18th, will be the national championship game for NCAA Division Three men's basketball. So there you got NAIA. We got D3 knocked out. Rob, just the other night, they announced the NCAA Division Two men's basketball brackets. Eight regions, the eight best teams in each region – um, give me before we kind of intro this to everyone and talk about some top seeds. Give me your just your impression of the bracket, what you saw, you know, what you felt, uh, what you, any surprises, you know, just how you looked at the bracket overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about surprises, but just really impressed with the depth of talent. All right. And, yep. you know, what you know, across the entire country, you know, every region, you can look into every region and see a national championship contender. And now, you know, we're going to talk about some teams that have kind of been, you know, up at the top of the brackets, up at the top of the polls all year. But whether you're, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast to the Central to the Midwest, South Central, Southeast, I mean, there are national championship contenders, All-Americans, all over the country, Division Two. And now you're always going to get some controversy just because, you know, once again, eight regions, the eight best teams, couple automatic qualifiers that win their conference tournaments. So you have a couple bubbles that burst there. Right. But then once again, with each region, you have a host school. The number one seed is the host school. And that's always always a very contested spot. And so, you know, with some regions, it's a clear cut number one. 
All right. With other regions, it comes down to strength of schedule, RPI, performance indicator. All right. You got a committee that votes on the number one seed. And if you get that number one seed, that's a big advantage to host. And so, you know, I know there's a little bit of controversy on some of these divisions as far as who's the one seed, who's the two seed. But at the end of the day, we got to lace up. We got to play. You got to win games, whether it's by one point, whether it's by 10 points. But the depth of talent has really been remarkable throughout this entire Division Two season. And I'm telling you, Chris, I could not be more stoked for these games starting on Saturday, man. Yeah, so so as we turn our attention to Division Two, I know you got kind of our your first initial thoughts out of the way. I, I think we start Division Two right where we left off last episode with Nova Southeastern. Got to. Uh, the, the last remaining unbeaten team. They're number one in the country. They're 30-0 and 0 heading into the postseason. We talked about their st- statistical prowess uh, last, last, last episode. You know, they still lead the country in points per game at over 100, uh, 105 points per game. Their scoring margin is 26. That's best in the country. Steals per game, 12, best in the country. And they're forcing 23 turnovers per game, best in the country. Um, RJ Shunahara voted uh, Sunshine State Conference Player of the Year. Will Yoakum was named Sunshine State Conference Newcomer of the Year. Jim Crutchfield, Sunshine State Coach of the Year. I mean, the Sharks are absolutely rolling. Um, Rob, you know, first your comments on Nova Southeastern. I mean, what else needs to be said? I mean, Coach Jim Crutchfield, one of the best coaches to ever do it, regardless of division. And, you know, they're 30-0. We talked about just they have not lost a regular season game since February of 2020. All right, that, that's remarkable right there. And, you know, Coach Crutchfield, he's made it to the national championship game before. He's made it to the final four. And so, you know, he's made it, you know, to every single level, but just hasn't, hasn't been the guy to win that last game. You know, now, can it happen this year? It could definitely happen this year. And I would not be surprised one bit. But, I mean, they are just super impressive. We, we, got, we were lucky enough, Chris, to see him earlier in the year, their first two games of the season. And they were super impressive, you know, those first two games of the season. And so, you know, they're, they're just a really a special group. They're connected. They're together. And if nothing else, you can just tell how hard they play. I mean, they oh, just man. absolutely go, you know, everything to the wall, every single possession, and, you know, just really impressed with them as a team. I love their depth. Mm-hmm. I think something that gets overlooked when, when we talk about Nova Southeastern is, is their depth. I mean, they go nine deep, sometimes ten deep, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, eight, nine, and ten aren't playing as many minutes maybe as one through eight uh, or, or one through seven. But eight, nine, and ten, when they come in there, they can play. Yep, uh, they have an impact on the game. They impact winning. They understand their role. I think that's that's what separates maybe Coach Crutchfield, you know, and, and certainly elite coaches from from other coaches is their ability to get, you know, buy-in. Yes. You know, to get that role, um, you know, role role definition Mm -hmm. from the coach and then role buy-in from the player, role acceptance from the player. So when I think about Nova Southeastern, I just think of the relentless offensive barrage. And then if if they score, I think about the relentless defensive energy that they play with. It just, Uh, they they take you out of whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, just their energy, yep. their effort, their press, whatever you've drawn up, whatever your system is, whatever it may be. It could be the flex. It could be an NBA flow system. You know, you could be running a Princeton. You could be running a post offense. It doesn't matter. 
you're going to have to adjust to Nova's style of play. And, and we talk about them taking you out of what you do. They can make some really good uh, defensive teams, Rob, look bad mm. because of how hard they play, how well they execute offensively, and the pace that you have to rotate, that you have to guard the ball with. It's really hard to simulate that in practice. So you know, we, we talk a lot about their, uh, their, their, their defense and their up-tempo style offensively. They can make really good defensive teams look confused as well. You know, not just take the, take you out of what you do offensively, but take you out of your defensive schemes uh, because of their, their talent and their speed and their pace. So uh, I think we're in, in agreement. Nova Southeastern, certainly uh, a team to watch, if not a team to, you know, consider as the front runner for uh, a national championship that you with mm-hmm. Coach Crutchfield. Oh, for sure. And, you know, hey, just, you know, staying there in that region, you yep. know, hey, right off the bat. All right, they play Miles in the 1-8 game right there, first game. All right, Miles 22-6 and six out of the SIAC, regular season and tournament champs. All right, now we talk about contrasting styles. We just talked about, you know, Nova-style play. Miles, the exact opposite end, all right? They're one of the best defensive teams in the country, all right? They're the number three defensive efficiency in the country, number four defensive points per game, number two defensive field goal percentage, and so, you know, they're led by Rodney Battle, Eddie Smith, Coach Fred Watson. And so right off the bat for Nova right there, true contrasting is style, contrast of styles. And it's going to be a super interesting first-round matchup there in the South region. Yeah, I, I think you got to also watch Alabama-Huntsville in the South. Um, in the South, you know, they're, they're the three seed. Um, West Alabama is the two seed. But I think Huntsville has the ability just to put up you know, to put up great numbers uh, yep. and, and they've, they've got that pedigree um, of, of postseason performance. We had the chance to see them early in the season. You know, they're, they're 25 and seven. They are led. I'm sorry. They are led uh, by, by Cheney Johnson. Of course, um, you know, Luke, Luke Burnett is having a great year. Max Schulman had a great year. Um, They've got they've got great balance, you know. They've got great balance across the board. Uh, I think Huntsville is a team that forces you to play at their tempo. Yeah, I mean and that's and, really important in the tournament. Yes, and there, you know, Coach Schulman does a great job there. I mean, just has one of the best defenses, you know, every year. They run a really good Princeton style offense, you know. And you said it, Chaney Johnson's one of the best players in the country, and you know he's a he, he he's a dude. You know, he's a guy that, that you can ride, that you can, you know, that you can center your offense around, and you can win and march with him. And, you know, he's a really good player. You know, you look also, um, you know, I think, yeah, you mentioned West Alabama, Shardarian Allen, one of the best players in the country, Justin Allison. Nick Woodruff was the coach of the year in the Gulf South. All right, so, I mean, West Alabama is going to be tough there. You know, Tuskegee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. All right. And so led by coach Benji Taylor there, they're number five in defensive three point field goal percentage, averaging only 29% or allowing only 29.5% from the three. So Tuskegee, even though seven seed, they're going to be tough. They won the SIAC regular season championship. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of good teams here, but, you know, still take me, take a step back and look at it. It's going to be tough to knock off Nova. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think I think there's some really good teams. Again, these are the best eight teams in that South region. Um, 
but I, th- I think I think it starts and ends uh, for all Division Two at Nova Southeastern. Um, turning our attention now, we're going to hop through these eight brackets. You know, I think we stay in that South and, and go to the Southeast. Top seed Augusta is obviously uh, really, really good. We call this the dunk region, Rob, uh, for a couple of different reasons. But we got some fun matchups, too. I think one of the matchups that, that I'll highlight real quick is that 3-6 matchup. Um, you know, Lincoln Memorial squaring off against Lander. Lander led by former LMU assistant Omar Batad, uh, having a great season. They are 22-9. and Lincoln Memorial obviously led by uh, Jeremiah Samaripis. Both LMU guys, both guys we worked with, both uh, protégés of Coach Shirts. So, you know, really fun to see them both having success this year. Oh, yeah, what a great first-round matchup. Lincoln Memorial versus Lander. I mean, I think, Chris, you and I could talk about that matchup for days. But, you know, sticking with Augusta here, right? So, I mean, Augusta, the number one seed, 26-5, and five, the Peach Belt regular season co-champs, won the tournament here. They were the national runner-up last year, right? And they're led by seven-foot-one Tyshawn Crawford. Right, just an absolute monster in the middle. Also by Miguel Arnold, big time shot maker. Right, Dip Dip Mitras is one of the best coaches in the country. Now, when you look at Augusta, all right, I mean Tyshawn Crawford is one of the best players. I mean, he's seven foot one, and he is a legit post scorer. All right, he's just not just a shot blocker. You give him the ball in the post, he's going to get a bucket. You can't single cover him. Right, and for that reason, Augusta as a team is number one in the country and post points per game. They average, you know, this is 2023, the three-point shot and everything. Now, Augusta, we're going to throw it in the post. 16 points per game, easy in the post, all right? The mo- the highest usage rate in the post. And so, you know, Augusta, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. And, you know, I, 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 you know we talk about – I call this the dunk region, all right? And, then, yeah, yeah. you know, the reason I say that is, you know, now you got Augusta. They're at number three in the country – points per game from dunks they average 7.3 points per game from dunks all right you got lincoln memorial number four in the country in points per game from dunks you got catawba number two in the country in points per game from dunks so just a little bit of fun you know a lot of these teams shoot a lot of threes make a lot of threes but they also get a lot of dunks you know and so yeah go ahead yeah i i just want to i want to shout out uh, Catawba because I've known Rob Perrin for a long time, one of the best dudes in the business, had a, had a great year. Um, you know, they're rolling into the NCAA tournament, uh, set the conference, set the school record for wins in the South Atlantic Conference this year. So uh, r- really happy for Rob and his success. But this this region has got a ton of a ton of talent. Oh, my God. Uh, like this like all of stacked. that. Uh, but but the the athleticism in the southeast region is is uh, beyond recourse. It is, and hey, let's Augusta number one seed. <laughs> they don't got an easy first game. All right? Their first game is against Emmanuel, the Conference of Carolinas tournament champion. They got to go up against KJ Jones, number one in the country in points per game. He's averaging twenty six points per game. He's number one in the country in free throws made and free throws attempted. All right. And so that's going to be a Tyshawn Crawford versus, you know, KJ Jones in the first round. Get out of here, man. All right. You got UNC Pembroke led by Bradley Haskell. They won the Conference of the Carolinas regular season championship, number two in the country in rebounding margin, 11 plus 11, number two in the country in three point field goal percentage defense. All right. And then, you know, forgotten in all this is North Georgia. North Georgia, led by coach Dan Evans, their first NCAA tournament bid. 
led by a stud. All right. And I'm telling you, I mean, Frank Champion, the Peach Belt Conference Player of the Year, Chris, I mean, he can ball, man. He is really good. Number four in the country in double doubles. And so they matched up with, with North Georgia, UNC Pembroke in the first round. All right. Catawba, USC Aiken. This is a stacked region, Chris. And so there's a lot of talent, a lot of great teams. You got Lander. All right. We talked a little bit about led by Jacob Cooper. All right. Uh, Jared Sherfield. And so, I mean, they're number here, – here's one for you here, all right? Here's, they're number three in the country in ATO efficiency, <laughs> 1.089 points per possession, all right? Lincoln Memorial. That's execution. It is. It's a fact. And then you got Lincoln Memorial, one of the best offensive, offenses in the country, number one in field goal percentage, all right? Number three in offensive efficiency. Lander, number four in three-point field goals made per game. All right. Tommy Moore, number five in the country in assist to turnover ratio, 3.8. And so, you know, there, there's so much talent in this region, man. I can't wait to watch these games. Yeah, I think that I think that southeast region is going to be a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, staying staying south. We've got a ton of south right now. <laughs> we've gone south. We've gone southeast. Why not south central? Um one of the most, again, another really talented region. And, and the teams that we're seeing, Rob, in Division Two, you know, these teams are all 20-plus game winners. I mean, 19 games is a, is a low number uh, the way that the tournament is regionalized for you to enter the tournament. We're just yeah. seeing a ton of teams that can put up, that, that can score a ton of points, but also have a ton of wins. Uh, a ton of wins overall. So you look at that South Central region, number one seed, uh, Coach Tom Brown, West Texas A&M. Talk about a team that we didn't know what to think of. I think we saw their talent. I think we saw their potential when we saw them live at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame uh, Classic. But, man, to see them jump all the way to number 13 in the national poll, to see them as a number one seed in in a really challenging region, um, I think you and I are both really impressed with uh, how this team has started to peak at the right time. Oh, yeah. I mean, Coach Tom Brown's done a great job with West Texas, 25-6, and six, Lone Star regular season and tournament champion, led by Julius Brown, Larry Wise, Damian Thornton. You know, as a reminder, West Texas was the 2021 national runner-up. And so, you know, Coach Tom Brown knows what he's doing come March West Texas has the player of the year of the Lone Star, the newcomer year in the Lone Star, sixth man of the year, and coach of the year. So they're a very talented team, very guard-heavy, space you out, drive it. They're number one in free throw percentage, number one in free throws made, and number two in ISO points per game. And so they really space you out and drive it, led by, I mean, an absolute stud in Julius Brown, who is the Lone Star Conference Player of the Year. And so, I mean, West Texas, I mean, and you know, we talk about this region just being loaded. I mean, West Texas is really good, but the entire RMAC, Chris. I mean, the four teams out of the RMAC, whether it's Mesa, Fort Lewis, Mines, and Blackfield State, I mean, those are four of the best teams in the country right there. Yeah, this year we haven't talked about – uh, we haven't talked a lot about Fort Lewis, but man, they're coming in. They're twenty-eight and three. Um, they they were nineteen and three in in their league. Uh, this just a team we haven't talked about a ton. And that no. Armac, that Armac is loaded. You know, you got Black Hill State, you got College School of the Mines. Um, when I look at Fort Lewis, you know they're they're led by led by a cool cot. 
uh, 24 points per game, uh, averages, you know, three rebounds per game. Um, Jaquan Mays, 12 points per game, six rebounds per game. You know, he's shooting at 41, 42% from three. They've got guys that can play, and we haven't talked about them really at all. No, I mean, Fort Lewis, I mean, you know, everyone kind of came into the year, you know, really talking about, I mean, Black Hill State coming off a Final Four run last year. Yep. You know, Colorado Mines returning Brendan Sullivan, bringing in Adam Thistlewood, you know, Coach Briar Orger at Colorado Mines is just, you know, a, a veteran coach there. And then you got Fort Lewis here, like you said, with a cool cot, number four in the country in points per game, 24 points per game, number eight in the country in offensive efficiency. 1.037 points per game. So Coach Bob Petrak, you know, has done a phenomenal job with Fort Lewis this year, and they had a real argument. And, you know, I know this caused a little bit of, you know, uh, tizzy on Twitter the other night, you know, that I mean, Fort Lewis had a little bit of an argument to where they should have been maybe the number one seed. But, hey, you know, West Texas got that number one seed, and, you know, it's going to be a heck of a regional, you know, down there in West Texas. Yeah, and you just said tizzy on Twitter. I'm, I, I would, I would bottle that up, man, and save it because you might, you may make some money with that. Yeah. Tizzy on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I love Colorado School of the Mind. Porter Osier, terrific coach. Uh, Brennan Sullivan, terrific player. Great interview last year. So uh, that South Central region is just loaded. Let's go. Let's go from the South to the West, and the number one seed out West, Point Loma. Out of California, twenty-seven and three, heading into uh, heading into the national tournament. What do you see? Uh, what do you see out there, out west, with Caden Anderson and Point Loma? Point Loma might be one of my favorite teams to watch, Chris. And you know, I, I said this all year, and I, I don't like making NBA comparisons because it's not fair. The NBA is just really good, but I mean, Caden Anderson is D two Jokic. I mean, he he just does so many things that affect winning from scoring, passing, rebounding, all right? They give him the ball in the elbow. They run splits. He's a great backdoor passer. And, you know, and he's just – he's a 6'8 beast. You know, he, he's a two-time All-American. He's going to be a three-time All-American this year. And, you know, just – Caden Anderson is is one of the best players in Division Two. You know, Point One was also got, also got Brian Garaki, Luke Hopped, Coach Matt Logie got Coach of the Year in the PWC – and so, that, and, you know, they're a really connected team for as good as they are offensively. They're number four in the country, defensive three-point field goal percentage, allowing only 29.4%. And so, I mean, they're really good offensively. They're going to But I really like San Bernardino at the two seed, man. I mean, yeah. I really like San Bernardino. Yeah. They are talented, all right? Brandon Knapper, Dontrell Schuler, Eddie Davis – all right, they had you know the defensive player of the year, the newcomer of the year, the coach of the year. Brandon Napper was an All American last year, and he can ball. He can shoot it. All right, he is number two in the country in threes made per game. He averages three and a half made threes per game. And you know, I really like San Bernardino, the CCAA regular season and tournament champs. And you know, I and so I, I, I'm not once again, we're not into predicting. All right, we're not. All right, we're rooting for everyone. All right, but to see that Point Loma San Bernardino Sweet 16 regional final matchup, man, that'd be a heck of a game to watch. That would be that would be a terrific game. And for for our listeners who are just paying attention to the podcast, maybe to hear about one team or two teams, if you haven't checked out Point Loma, they are the all campus team. <laughs> because if you go, you got to go to their website, you got to check out their campus photos. I mean, they're on the ocean. It's a breathtaking 
breathtaking college campus. So I would encourage anybody who, uh, you know, anybody who hasn't checked out Point Loma Nazarene's uh, website to go ahead and take a look at that. If you get, you know, if you get the one and the two seed again, Rob Point Loma, number one, Colorado, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, California, Stam- Stam Bernabino, um, you're talking about two teams that are, you know, elite mm-hmm. and uh, just, just an outstanding, would be an outstanding matchup. Um, it'd be an outstanding matchup, especially when you think about the individual players and you think about, uh, you know, the, the names that are associated with, um, with both teams. So that Western bracket, a lot of talent. You got some NBA comparisons. You got some beachfront property. You know, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful bracket. So good games coming out of there. Let's go back east now. And let's start um, in the Atlantic region as we get through the, the back half of this bracket uh, for NCAA Men's Division Two, And the storyline here to me is the return of Shondale Jones uh, for Indiana out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, IUP, IUP had a terrific season this year under coach Joe Lombardi. Uh, you know, uh, Shondell Jones earned, um, Shondell Jones uh, had quite a year. He led the, led the team in scoring. He was the West athlete of the week multiple times. Uh, Jones now player of the year. And just, he was injured last season, beginning of the season, uh, IUP was predicted to have a great year. They did have a great year, but they didn't have Shondell Jones. This year he comes back, has a tremendous year, uh, one of the best athletes in the country. And IUP right now is rolling into the NCAA Division II tournament. I mean, IUP might have one of the best teams, obviously, but just one of the best backcourts. We talk about Shondell Jones, but David Morris, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the country. All right, you got Su- and then their, their front court, Suleiman and Ethan Porterfield. Right, too. I mean, they, they are a really, really good roster. And, you know, they lock you down defensively. Okay? Coach Joe Lombardi, coach of the year there in the PSAC, has them at the number one defensive efficiency in the country. 0.79 points per possession. Number one defensive field goal percentage, 38.5% from the field. And they made it to the Final Four last year. All right? right. And you say, Chris, they, they bring back Shondale Jones. And so, you know, they're going to be a super tough matchup. They're a veteran team, all right? They, they don't play many young guys. They're a veteran team, guys who have made deep tournament runs before. So they're going to be super tough. But there's a lot of familiarity. All right, we talk about this at the Division II tournament, so there's a lot of familiarity here. You know, it seems like every year it's IUP versus West Liberty in the regional final, all right? And you look at the number two seed there, West Liberty, all right? And, you know, a little bit of contrast of styles between them and IUP, West Liberty, up and down, all right? Number four in offensive efficiency, 1.05 points per possession. Number two, all right, in points per game, 101 points per game. Number one in threes made per game, 12.8 threes made per game. And so, you know, dealing with IUP versus West Liberty, then you throw Mercyhurst in here too. Coach Gary Manchell is one of the best coaches in the country, Runs a, runs a very innovative defense, all right, led by Michael Bradley, Jeff Planudis. And so you look at those top three seeds, a lot of familiarity between those three seeds. And so, you know, it's going to be a really tough bracket. But I think IUP is going to be tough to knock off here, Chris. I agree. I agree. I love, 
I love the matchup, though, that we could have. IUP against West Liberty, that one-two matchup. Uh, you know, West Liberty comes into the tournament with four guys shooting better than 40% from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can flat-out score the basketball. They get great looks as a result of their their defensive effort. But um, I think I think that region is, is really Indiana and, and West Liberty. I think Fairmont State's a team that we have to keep an eye on. Mercyhurst, of course, is so good defensively uh every year but um but i like i like indiana and and west lib Mm -hmm. going going to the central region and it took this is probably a first in this podcast it took us almost an hour to get to (laughs) northwest missouri state ben mccullum you know the diego bernard show but man we got here they're the number one seed in the central region that central region is always so so strong um you know you got you got the Diego Bernard show, and then you got Northern State as the two seed behind uh, Northwest Missouri State. So interesting, interesting matchups here in that central region. So much depth of talent here. I mean, th- so many great teams here. This is this is one of those regions like the Southeast region that the number of talented teams and talented players is really remarkable to look at. And you got to start with Northwest Missouri state number one in offensive efficiency in the country, right? 1.077 points per possession. Number two field goal percentage, 52.1%. But then also we talk about balance, right? This is something Cullen has said has been underrated about his teams. They're number one in the country in defensive points allowed, allowing only 55.8 points per game. And so that balance of offensive, defensive excellence is going to be tough to beat. But if any region, you know, I mean, they've owned this region for, for four out of the last five years. And so, you know, but you got MSU Moorhead, right? The Northern Sun tournament champ there. You know, Southern Naz, the GAC regular season champ. You talk about Northern State, Central Oklahoma, Emporia State, Minnesota Duluth. We talked about, I mean, Drew Blair is one of the best players in the country. All right. But there's so much talent in this central region, Chris. I mean, outside of Northwest Missouri State, though, it's tough to imagine. And just because, hey, you can't – they've run four out of the five last national championships, Chris. Yeah. Now, and they, they've suffered losses to Central Oklahoma, the number, uh, number three seed in the region. They lost to Emporia State, number seven seed in the region. Uh, but you look at Northwest Missouri's body of work entering the tournament, um, obviously MIAA champions. They've now won 16 in a row. Uh, you know, they are they are rolling uh, after their last loss to Central Oklahoma and who they defeated in the MIAA championship. Uh, I just think I think they're the team that that everyone has to go through in the Elite Eight in the in the Division Two National Championship. Oh, I just think it starts and ends with Northwest Missouri State. Without a doubt. And it's like, you, you know, we're not doing predictions, but it's just like just, if I'm doing my own little bracket here, you know, it's like. Do I really want to pick against Northwest here? Do I really? No, I don't want to do it here. No, not here, not here, not here, not here. And then suddenly it's just, hey, you know, that's the whole tournament. But it's like you can't bet against, you know, Ben McCollum right now. And especially Diego Bernard, the player of the year and the defensive player of the year. You know, and then now they got Bennett Sturts coming in as a true freshman and just absolutely balling out. All right. But, you know, once again, if – if any region can knock off a team like a Northwest Missouri state, it's the central region, you know, just because once again, central Oklahoma coach, Bob Hoffman, Emporia state, Craig Doty is a national championship coach, Northern state, Saul Phillips coach of the year, in the Northern sun. I mean, those teams, those players, those coaches 
are, are some of the best in the country. And this might be the, I mean, to me, I think this, the Southeast, and probably the South Central are the three best regions in the country of just as far as depth of talent and national championship level of talent. But it, it's, it, this, man, this is going to be fun to watch here, you know, at Northwest Missouri State hosting this region. Yeah, and I think, I think this could end up being a one-two matchup that has implications going towards the Elite Eight, of course, but the Final Four and the mm-hmm. National Championship. We saw it a couple of years ago with, um, you know, I, I, Parker Fox in Northern State, Coach Saul Phillips, going against um, Trevor Hudgens and uh, Northwest Missouri. Ended up being probably a game that led to the eventual National Champion. I oh, think you can yeah. see it again. I think I think Sam Matson, uh, Jackson Money, Jordan Belka. I think those guys are, you know, are really really good for Northern State. Finished the year twenty four and six, so I I like them quite a bit as well. Yeah, I mean the National Sun regular season champs. You know, Sam Matson, the player of the year in the Northern Sun. We talk about Saul Phillips, coach of the year in the Northern Sun. Once again, you know, Southern Naz is no team to sneeze at. You know. And, you know, the, 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 the gap kind of gets, you know, forgotten about a little bit just because you're, you're in with the MIAA, you're in with the Northern Sun. But Southern Naz, I mean, Tyler McGee, the player of the year, Adam Bohack, the coach of the year in the GAC, all right, they're defensively Southern Naz is. Number three in points per game defensively, 57 points per game, number four in three-point field goal percentage. They can really shoot it at 40%. And so, you know, we're talking about all the, you know, MIAA teams, Northern Sun teams, which deservedly so. But Southern Naz, hey, they can make some noise here in the Central as well. And and to be clear, we're just going counterclockwise around this bracket. <laughs> yeah. So we have no we have no uh, intentions or anything other than just going counterclockwise yep. around the bracket. Um, and 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 that's going to bring us to the East and some teams that that I I'm really intrigued by. Uh, in the East, first, St. Anselm, 22-7, and seven, number one seed, the host school. Uh, definitely intrigued by uh, Southern New Hampshire, who had a good year, 20-8. and eight. But the sixth seed, St. Thomas Aquinas, Tobin Anderson leaving after last season, uh, had a great run there. First-year head coach this year, uh, back in the NCAA tournament, stack as a team with their style of play, even as a sixth seed, really hard to go up against um, in the national tournament format. Oh, for sure. And, and St. Nelson, getting the one seed here, the Northeast 10 tournament champs. And you talk about, yeah, Tyler Arbuckle, Miles Tension is number three in the country in minutes per game. Right? But I think that first-round matchup against Caldwell is going to be a barn burn. I think that's going to be tough. Caldwell, even though they're an eight seed, 21-9, CACC regular season and tournament champs, all right, they're – seven in the country in defensive efficiency efficiency they're number three in the country in defensive field goal percentage jarnell rancy number one in the country in blocks per game and so caldwell has a lockdown defense and so that is a tough tough first round game for host school number one seed st anselm yeah i i i'm looking at st anselm as you know, I think they are probably the team to beat in this region. Mm-hmm. But you go to uh, Stack, mm-hmm. twenty, yep. um, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas. Even as a six seed, you know, they were fifteen and one in the league. They were twenty six and four overall. Like we said, after Tobin Anderson left, who who was uh, leading FDU now to the NCAA tournament as a Division One coach, um, you're still looking at, you know, guys like. Um, 
<laughs> you're still looking at Stack being led uh, by guys who have played in that in that system for a while. You know, Jamison, Patterson, mm-hmm. uh, guys who can put up numbers, and they're so fast. I think yeah. they're so fast. How how up and down they are defensively and offensively. Matt Cappell's done a great job there um, with with Stack. No, oh, you talk about their style of play there, Chris. I mean, number one in Division Two in offensive rebounds per game, 15.2 offensive rebounds per game. Number four in forced turnovers. They forced 19.2 turnovers per game. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a tough style to play against. Then you go to Bentley. I mean, Bentley won this region last year, all right? They play, you know, a, a, you know, an interesting style as well, all right? They're number four in the country in spot-up points. They average 29.6 points per game from spot-ups. All right, they only foul 12 times per game. So they're a really smart defensive team. Zach LaPutte is a stud. All right, the Northeast 10 player of the year, Coach Jay Lawson, a lot of success there. So you got St. Anselm, you got Bentley, you got Stack. Caldwell's going to be a tough first round. I mean, the East is loaded with tough teams and talent here. Yeah, and that brings us, that brings us to the Midwest region. And the number one seed in the Midwest region, University of Indianapolis, 26-4 and four, uh, coming in. They've had a, a, a really good year, uh, and they were, they were rolling until they, they lost to Missouri-St. Louis in uh, the semifinals of the GLVC. Uh, UMSL, University of Missouri-St. Louis, the two seed. So, you know, the top two teams coming out of the same – uh, same conference going to be interesting to see what happens because uh, Missouri St. Louis has beaten Indianapolis twice uh, during the season. So yes. uh, like, again, the regionalization, the strength of schedule, the RPI, the one and two seed always up for debate in division two. Yeah. Indianapolis. I mean, really good. It's great season. I mean, coach Paul Corsero, second season there, coach of the year, Kendrick Chua, the player of the year in the GLVC, led the country. I mean, listen to this, Chris. Kendrick Chua shot 72.5% from the field, 72.5%. I mean, that is unbelievable. And so, I mean, that is high percentage right there. All right, you got Hillsdale led by John Tharp. All right, we saw them earlier in the year, one of the programs in the country. And you got, you know, Parkside led by Rashid Bello, who was the glee player of the year, Luke Regal, the GLIAC coach of the year. You got, you know, Ferris State. Ferris State is the only team in the last five years to win a national championship besides Northwest Missouri. And so Coach yeah. Andy Bronkema knows what he's doing come March, right? Then you got at University in there, led by Brandon Haraway, right, the GMAC player of the year, one of the best guards in the entire country. You got Simon Wheeler from Ashland was the freshman of the year. And so that dynamic backcourt of Brandon Haraway, Simon Wheeler, also combine that with, with they got really good bigs. Vic Searles, right, Maceo Williams, really good bigs. Ethan Conley on the wing shooting threes. And so Coach John Ellenwood's really put together a really good squad there in Ashland. I mean, that first-round matchup there, Ashland-Ferris State, you know, that, that first-round matchup there could have a lot of say to who comes out of the, the Midwest region. I, I agree with you. I love that matchup because of Ashland's offensive ability. Fair State always so good defensively. Uh, you look at you look at Hillsdale though as the four seed. You know they had four all great Midwest Athletic Conference performers this year. Mm. Um, they had two all defensive players in uh, Peter Kaltoff and Kyle Gosler. 
you know, uh, Jack Golke, first team all GMAC. Um, Kalatov, again, first team all GMAC and all defensive team. They have great talent. Um, they have great talent. They take care of the ball. They've got a unique system where, again, you, you are forced to play at their pace. Uh, and that pack, pack line defense, they just shut you down. They shut mm-hmm. the paint down. Uh, Hillsdale, I think, is a team to watch as well in that Midwest region. As You know, not to be outdone is UMSL, University of Missouri-St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Bob Sunfold, you know, the amount of turnover – that he had at the beginning of the year, you know, I can't remember oh, you know, 13 or 15 new players to their team. And yeah. then to turn around 21 and 10 and get the number two seed in the Midwest region. I mean, led by Isaiah Fuller, Bowen Sanquist. And so coach Bob Sunfold has done a remarkable job there at, at Missouri, St. Louis. And they're going to have a tough first round matchup against, against Wisconsin Parkside, Rashid Bellow, Jameer Simpson. And so, Midwest region as well, Chris. I mean, you know, you have you know, everyone seated one through eight, but I right. mean, you could really pick any of these eight teams, and it wouldn't shock me. You know, uh, uh, a week from now, if you said, "Hey, you know, this team came out of the Midwest region." Yeah, I agree. I think the Midwest, the Midwest region, like every region, just has um, incredible talent. The top eight teams are are really good. You know, you're not getting that traditional one sixteen. You're mm-hmm. just not getting it in Division Two with the eight the eight regions. So, so there you have it, Rob. I mean, that's NAIA, that's Division Three, that's NCAA Division Two. That's our bracketology. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna do a pod again next week with with some of the uh, some of the other small college basketball conferences. Maybe talk some Bevo Francis Award winners. What do you think? Oh, I'm in for that, man. All right. Well. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, more brackets and some Bevo Francis Player of the Year candidates. Rob, have a great night, man. Enjoy all the games coming up. Enjoy the games, Chris. Great time of year. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for our weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible players, teams, coaches, alumni, and history all across levels of small college basketball. And if you're a fan of the Small College Basketball Podcast, please leave us a five-star review. We encourage our fans to use the link attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast with your family, friends, and other small college basketball fans. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow Small College Basketball on Twitter and Facebook or visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com. Small College Basketball would like to thank Visit Central Florida for their support. Start planning your Central Florida vacation now at visitcentralflorida.com. That's visitcentralflorida.com.